You're listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, Episode 83. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with Adnisha Curry, assistant coach for University of Maine's men's basketball team, where she shares her story of grit that led her to be the only woman coach currently coaching a men's basketball program at the Division I level. Coach Curry explains her process and how she coaches greatness and why building relationships is the key in building a championship culture. Her energy for coaching basketball is infectious and inspiring. Don't be surprised to see Adnisha in a head coaching role at the collegiate or professional level in the near future because she is trailblazing it to the top. Hey, Coach, how are you? I'm great. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I am super excited to talk to you about just your mindset as a coach and, and kind of your journey, what's led you up to be, you know, currently right now, you know, the, the only female coach in Division One men's basketball. I know there's been a few people before you, but currently you're the only one um, as we speak and just wanted to um, highlight your journey and just kind of get in t- inside your mindset. Look forward to it. All right. Well, I love talking about mental toughness, and I want to ask you my first question that I ask everybody on my show about mental toughness. So what does mentally tough mean to you? It means having an unbreakable faith in yourself. I love it. I love it. You know, a lot of people have a, a longer answer. That one's, and that's what it is. I, I love it. Now, can you reflect on your career as an athlete and also as a coach? Can you share a specific time, and I know there's a lot of them, but that one time where you had to be mentally tough? Wow. Well, I think the hardest time for me was my senior year at Oregon um, on the women's basketball team. I started out the season red hot. I was playing very well, and it was the beginning of the uh, Pac-10 season, and it was Pac-10 then. And I had just had a really good game against UCLA in front of my family. And the next game, we were playing USC. And, you know, I'm from California, so I'm playing against my friends that we grew up playing against each other. And it was a normal warm-up, and um, they were previewing me as one of the um, star players on the team. And I heard a pop in my foot. Mm. I didn't know where it came from, and... Once I landed, I couldn't feel my foot anymore. And they took me to the locker room, and the doctors, the USC doctors came in, the Oregon trainers were there, and they basically said, you tore your plantar fascia. Wow. Now, here I am. I'm trying to hold back tears. I'm, like, crying because I'm like, oh, my God, this is my senior year. I'm thinking about the WNBA. I'm supposed to get drafted in my, my playing career. And I'm like, oh, my God. But then who I am and my faith in myself and being a leader and be there for my teammates kicked in. I said, what do you need to do to get me through the game? And they said, you can't hurt it anymore. It's nothing. So I had them basically shoot my foot up, numb my foot up, take me up, and I finished the game for my team. And I basically, they basically said, once she goes in the game, she doesn't come out. And I literally pulled, uh, played a half a basketball against USC 
with a tour in plantar fascia. And then after that, um, I got in a boot. And what they thought was going to be a season-ending injury, I was able to mentally fight through it and just do extensive rehab and commitment to, you know, my future. And I was back within two and a half weeks. Wow. Man, that's that's like a story of grit right there. I love it. Yeah, it was it was a lot, but you know, I I really don't. I always had the mindset that no matter what obstacles were thrown at me, athletically, the world that I was going to overcome come them because I always believed in myself and I knew my vision didn't matter compared to what everybody else's vision of me did. Mm, I love it. Now, your mindset as an athlete, how different is, or how different is your mindset as an athlete versus being a coach? Is it, or is it the same? It's exactly the same. And mm. it's even more relevant now, me being in this position as the, you know, only woman um, currently coaching, you know, men's basketball at the Division One on the Division One side, because I have to have extreme confidence, extreme faith, um, in my abilities, that I'm here for my abilities as a coach, not because of my gender. And not every gym or room I walk in are people complimenting me or people believe in me. You know, I, it, it's not like, hey, you know, she's here. I mean, I'm one of 1,404 coaches. Wow. So I, I have to have that mindset that, you know, I'm here, and I'm here for a reason, and I'm going to continue to do the job, and I'm going to continue to compete just like everybody else. I love it. Got to know your purpose and live it, right? I love it. Yes, you do. Yeah, I love it. Well, a couple more questions as far as when you played. Now, I'm going to ask a question about what you, what was your biggest mental win and what was your mental lo- what what your biggest mental loss was. And I asked this question because I played – I played 13 years of football. I played uh, at the collegiate level. I was a quarterback. And I, from a confidence standpoint, I knew that I was a good athlete. But that only took me to a, a certain level. And my biggest mental win was because of my mental game. And my biggest mental loss was because I didn't have a mental game. So when you think about your career as an athlete, and again, going back to a specific time, what was your biggest mental win and what was your biggest mental loss? For me, I think it's the same for both. Um, my mental win was definitely my basketball IQ. Oh, I love um, it. And, and my ability to pick up on plays and playbooks and things like that allowed me an edge. I can see things in film. But it also could be my mental loss because at times when I was younger, I wasn't as patient with my teammates because they didn't have that same mental toughness and mental game as in studying the game and watching film and and just being, you know, into it. Um, And and I've had to to grow. So it it was catch-22 for me when I was younger. What about pressure? What was your relationship with pressure when you played? Believe it or not, I really didn't have any pressure. I mean, growing up playing, and you know, most people who grew up and, and, and really know me, 
you know, most people call it a, a arrogance now, you know, but I really had just extreme confidence in myself. I don't know where I got it from. I, I kind of think it came from my one of my grandmothers, my mom's mom. You know, I grew up with her always telling me, don't, you know, she called me Coco. That was my nickname. And she would say, don't ever let anyone steal your joy. Don't ever let anyone steal your smile. No one deserves that power. So I went into every game, every situation I still do in life now, like I control everything. It's no pressure. You know, I know I can beat this battle. I know I can win. So what big games when people say, oh, you're, you know, when I was at Cal State Northridge at first and they were like, you're, you're the best player. You're taking a team to the NCAA and this and that. I didn't, I was like, oh, it's just another game. Like I'm, I'm supposed to be here. I'm right where I'm supposed to be in life. So it was fun. You know, I, I think a lot of people make opportunities and moments bigger than they need to be. When if you learn to stay in the moment and enjoy it, and I've always enjoyed it, and I said I will walk away when I lose that joy, you know, when it does become pressure and it's like this stress, I'm like, we're playing a game. You know, right. what's what's the worst thing that can happen? I can miss a shot. We can lose. I can still do that and we can win. You still have another day to get better. You still have another day to learn. So it, I didn't I didn't look at games or anything as pressure. Well, I love it. You talk about it, it's all about playing present. And and I think as we get more elite or we actually climb, advance our, our career, I think pressure becomes a privilege and we embrace it. We have a different relationship with it. And it's interesting when I'm working with younger athletes, especially at the high school level, and it can exist, I believe, at the collegiate level. But when we talk about pressure, a lot of times people think it's negative and it's just getting someone to switch either having embracing the pressure or just like you said, it's just another game. Nothing's changed. The rules haven't changed. There's nothing different with the rim or the ball. Just go have fun and, and tap into your joy. And I love that you brought up the emotion joy because I think that it's one of the most unbelievable and coolest emotions to be joyous, especially when you're playing the sport that you love and you can tap into it. And I love what your grandma said, have no one have that power to take away your joy because it's just a beautiful thing to play with it. It is, and I, I, it helps me coaching, you know, in life. You know, it does not matter what's going on when I go and go to practice every day. I love it. I enjoy what I do. I enjoy being around the guys. It does not matter what our record is or anything. I have just chosen to have joy in it, and it really helps me. You know, so I don't feel, you know, the pressure of what everybody else on this outside, the outside world says, well, then you're the only one, you're a trailblazer and all of this. And I'm like, yeah, but that's fun. That's an awesome opportunity. And I'm embracing it as that. I'm not embracing it as something that's external, you know, right. external pressures. It, it, I enjoy it. So if I get to talk to more young ladies and men and, and girls and, you know, really just talk about my journey and inspire them and educate them, I should enjoy that. It shouldn't, I should make it as this external thing that's going to cause stress and, and all the negative things. I, I just don't see it like that. That's, be, that's beautiful. 
That's beautiful. Well, and I want to talk about some of your milestones uh, that you've experienced as an athlete and as a coach. What was it like when you got drafted in the third round in the 2002 WNBA draft? And was it always a dream to be a professional athlete? Yeah. You know, when I started thinking about basketball seriously around, I was a late bloomer. So it was around about 15. I was like, I want to go in college, play, be a college athlete. And then, you know, when I got to college at Cal State Northridge before Oregon, that's when the WNBA started going around. So I was, it started, so I was able to, you know, go to the um, forum when the games were there for the Sparks. And I'm like, I can do this. You know, I want to do this. And it, it was it was an amazing feeling for me to get drafted, um, not only for myself, but for my family, because along this journey and, and my growth and mindset, you know, it, it has a lot to do with, you know, your support staff, what, you know, what has been fed to you by family, by friends, by coaches. So this, that milestone of getting drafted was for everyone because, you know, when I said I wanted to do it, it was, okay, let's do it. And didn't matter what practices, what time, what extra coaching, whatever I needed to do, because I was committed to this, so was everybody else. So it, it was a milestone for everyone that was a part of my village of success. Man, that's beautiful. I love it. Well, what about currently now? You know, you're you're the only female coach in Division One men's basketball as we speak. What was it like? I know that you'd been with University of Maine. You you were an assistant coach, or you you played different roles. Um, for the last couple of years, but what was it like when you're you're the only female representing your gender in a men's basketball arena? What was that moment like when you actually were officially hired as assistant coach? I didn't really. The crazy thing of about it is it didn't matter to me, you know, mm-hmm. and it didn't dawn on me until this was like a big deal. Um, until maybe a week after I got hired and it was official when I started getting text messages and, you know, news reports and articles and things that are continued to, to, to happen from this movement. And I was like, okay, this is really a big deal. And then that's when it hit me. This was bigger than basketball, way bigger than basketball. And this is bigger than me. Um, so that was special to me, and that's when I was like, okay, this is a big deal. Because for me, I've always been coaching young boys and men and all over the world. So I was like, oh, I'm just a coach, you know. And to be put in this spotlight, you know, um, it's special. It's different, and, and, and I embrace it. And, I, and I, like I said, I really enjoy it, and I really love it a lot. But it didn't hit me at first. It was kind of like the slow – like a slow dripping faucet that was kind of like, okay, drip, drip, drip. Okay. (laughs) I really am the only one. And then it's like, um, when, um, my, my, my aunts and great aunts and, you know, from things in, you know, history that they experienced from being in the South and they're in their eighties and seventies. And they're like, Whoa, my grandniece, my, Wow. wow. You're, 
whoa. And then I'm like, okay, this is really bigger than me. And just hearing them and how proud they are. Um, like I said, this, this has been really big for everybody. Um, and, and special. And it took me a while to, um, really understand all of those things because for me, I'm just, I've always, you can ask anybody, I'm just coach Eddie. I don't put anything on, you know, Oh, I'm the only female I'm coaching, man. I'm just like, I'm coach Eddie, like whatever. <laughs> right. You know, what's crazy is I, I thank you for sharing that. And not too long ago, I had, I had uh coach Jennifer Walter on my show, who the first female coach in NFL and it was funny, she was sharing her experience because she said, you know, it, it wasn't like they, like, I came into to work and they, they gave me this title and then I was on a press conference the same day. It was, I had a week, so I already knew, it, it, like, I was excited, I already went through my emotions, and I knew that I was going to go through this press conference, which, you know, I was just like, you know, the nostalgia was there, it was important, like, it was important on all fronts, but she goes, it just wasn't that big because it kind of faded um, it was big, but it kind of faded after a few days. And she said, but when you're sitting there at the press conference and you have all of like the major networks and everybody like looking at you, she's like, and you're sitting yeah. next to Bruce Arian. She's like, whoa, like this is huge. And then she shared something funny. She's like, they ended up putting a, a, a real live NFL helmet on me. And she's like, those helmets are huge. And she saw this helmet was like falling off my head. And, and she's like, you know what? I just became vulnerable and had fun with it and just relished in the moment and didn't care what I looked like. But it was really cool to kind of see how she dealt with it, just with the, how big it was and how she dealt with the emotions and then how she just kind of became kind of a funny moment with this big helmet hanging off her head. Um, so I can only imagine though, like with her and yourself, just, you know, what you guys are stand for, what you guys are you guys are going down in history. Um, it's just awesome. Yeah. And then it was another moment um, that it hit me because, you know, like, like she said, you know, after a while, just be like, okay, routine. And it was the first game and coach Barron said, looked over and he's like, you're the only one. It's your first game as a men's basketball coach. And that's when it was like, okay, it's game. It's the national <laughs> anthem. I can. I have makeup on my face. I'm not really trying to cry, but this moment is special. And I just remember my best friend. She was like, "Allow yourself to have those moments, those tears of joy." And it was like, there's certain times during the season where it would it would hit me like, "Wow, this is this is not just." normal coaching this is this like I said this is bigger than me you know you you said the word multiple times just a special moment and I can only imagine just being in it right just like there's those moments like your friend said you just got to be in it and relish in it but when you when you think of the word special since this is special what makes you special as a coach wow um I think for me, it's what separates me. What makes me special is I do understand that this moment is, is coaching is bigger than basketball. And I make sure to let my players know that. And our players know that, that, you know, me coaching you, me mentoring you and me leading you is about 
your life when the air goes out the ball. The lessons that you learn through sport, what how are there how are those lessons gonna carry you as young men when the air is gone and it's forty years from now? Yep. And I, I make sure to tell my players that I make sure to let them know that I care that I love them as young men and young people first. And that relationship allows me to push them to levels that they can't see themselves as at yet. You know, I love it because what the, what sport has done for me, uh, the game of football, it, it prepared me for life. It even with all the adversity I had to go through after football, but I think, like you said, I don't care how good you are. If you are an athlete and you're committed to your sport, there is going to be a day where you have to move on and transition out of sport. And if you can take those lessons, you can take those those things that coached, you know, pushed you and, and taught you and use it in life, man, that's – as a coach, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I've worked with awesome coaches. And some of them say, you know what, if I can see – if I can see them being successful, my athletes, and see them being best men in their weddings or being involved like down the road, 40 years down the road, he was, I just feel like I'm a part of that. And, and that's success is having these kids still connect with each other, but then take the lessons they learned on the field, on the court, whatever it is, and use it in life. So valuable. It's that, that's, that's why I coach, you know, I, I, I really do. I like being you know, a leader in, in serving, you know, the the, young, the lives of these young people because they need us. They really do. I had it in my life and I know how it transformed me and changed me. And I I take those lessons from my coaches and, and you know, help our young men here at uh, Maine. Awesome. Awesome. You know, kind of curious, why why men's basketball versus women's basketball as far as coaching? It's not either or. It's where you you always got to go where you want it. Mm. Right. And men's, and men's basketball chose me, and I chose it back. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> do you do you like what is your what's the end game for for you as far as your coaching? Is it is it to coach in the NBA? Is it to coach in the WNBA or or be a head coach? I want to be a head level? coach. I want I, I want to be a head coach. I definitely want to be a head coach, you know. Um I I think every every coach, you know, you you're in this profession so long and that you know, you everybody wants to move over. Even it doesn't mean, you know, you you're going to do it for 10 or 15 years, but I I would definitely love to um have an opportunity to be a head coach. And whether if it's in the NBA or the WNBA or NCAA NCAA, next level, you know, wherever you get an opportunity. I, I've done a good job of not putting a cap on gender or coaching or anything, any level. You know, if you love the coach, you love the coach. And I'm really, you know, I love the coach. And men's basketball chose me, and I chose it back. And, you know, I've got an opportunity, to, you know, like I said, to work with the NBA. And, you know, who knows where this will take me, but – you know, I'm enjoying my moment, not looking too far ahead, not looking behind. I have no regrets. I'm staying in the moment and working daily um, to push myself to become the best coach possible. 
um, but also to help our program here at the University of Maine. Love it. I love it, man. It's it's all about what you love, man. And if you love it and you, you show up every day and you're creating good energy, man, it, it transfers into your athletes and the people around you. So I, I love that. Um, one, one of the, my favorite topics to talk about is culture, creating culture, sustaining culture, protecting culture. I just love culture. As a female coach for a men's basketball program, is it difficult to, to create culture, to coach it, or is it pretty seamless for you? It's easy because yeah. culture is relationships. I think everybody puts too much on it. Um, and, you know, try to come up with things and things like this. Anything that is uh, sustainable in life is relationships. Right. You know, if you have true, true relationships and true bonds, you know, you create a culture and that's where everything starts with. It starts with the relationship and, you know, who I am and my why that's the foundation of my coaching. So it's it's easy for me to talk to the guys and and hang out with them and 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 build upon who they are as not only as young men but as basketball players um, and continue to help our culture here. Right. But it's it's relationships. I love it. I love it. it's relationships. It's language, actions. I, I mean, I love it. I that I agree with you 100. percent Now. When you think about the path you took as a coach, I mean, it's taking you all over the world at all levels. How would you describe like your your experience all up to this point as a coach? Were there any tough times, and how did you deal with them? Of course, it's tough times. I mean, I got denied coaching for about ten years. Um, I applied for every possible job at every level um, on the women's basketball side, and I couldn't get a job. You know, I didn't have enough experience. It was, it was just everything, but I knew I wanted to coach when I committed to, and I knew I was good at it. So instead of, you know, becoming bitter or angry or, you know, I went to Europe, you know, I went overseas, I went to the middle East and um, I got an opportunity um, to be head coaches and, and develop basketball in, 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 get skills that I couldn't get here in America, which I believe really helped me um, grow faster because I had different responsibilities, you know, from developing basketball to the operations, to being a head coach, to, to working with professional teams and general managers and, and, and sponsors and, and things like that, that I wouldn't, wouldn't have necessarily got starting out in my career here, um, which was turned out to be a blessing, you know, being all over the world and traveling and, you know, it, it's different recruiting in, in all over China for uh, players versus, you know, recruiting state to state, but um, all unbelievable experiences that really helped me um, along my journey. When you think about transformational coaching, what do you think is the, the biggest factor or the thing that you need to focus on the most to be a transformational coach? Get to know your players first. Know who they are um, as young people. I think that is key. You have to know who they are, who you're talking to um, before you start 
trying to transform them as athletes. You know, everybody wants to to feel wanted, feel cared for. Um, I I think it, it's truly special when you know a coach knows why you had a bad day or understands um, and is able to help you out. Um, so again, for me, it's that foundation in in relationship and getting to know your athletes as um, people first. A hundred percent. You know, I had when I was coaching football, there was uh, he's still my mentor when it comes to coaching. And he he's just a beautiful coach, very intense, very very transformational. But he he basically was always telling me, like, don't forget to coach the heart of the athlete. And that means to, to get into the rapport, get into the trust. And I never forgot that because you saw his actions where every day was all about the heart of the athlete. And he had this thing with the parents where he'd have parent, a parent meeting and say, he always said this, like, I just want to let you guys know, if you're not okay with me saying I love you to your son, then I don't want him on my team. If, you, if, you're, if you're not okay with me hugging him, even kissing him on the cheek, I don't want him on my team because I want to let you know that I'm 100% responsible when that kid steps on my field and I'm going to love him just the way that you're going to love him. And I was just like, I remember us sitting there the first time hearing this going, whoa, like you don't hear a lot of coaches at the high school level saying that kind of stuff. And, but he meant it. And you can just tell the players gravitated to that because it was good, authentic energy. And there was just trust. It is it. Being authentic and, and having organic, you know, relationships um, and trust, it, it's, it's special, you know. Big time. And I think if you start there first at the core, um, everything else is easy. Yeah, for sure. Because you can weather the storm with the athlete, you know, when you have that relationship in place or any storm. Yeah. I mean, my coaches got on me, but... I always knew I'm like, coach loves me. It, 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 it literally, I would be saying that in my head. I'm like, he's getting on my nerves. She's getting on my nerves. But then when I would go in a locker room, I would be like, coach really loves me. I know. And then after that, it would be like, I would go in their locker room, go in their office and hang out with them. And it would be like, we just had a, a, a tough practice and they need to push me through. But I always had that feeling inside of me that, you know, my coaches were really, really good people. And to this day, I have great relationships with, like, every coach that has coached me from 13 years old. Like, I go see them. Like, it's just amazing. And I always tell them, like, you guys were my role models for a coach. Like, I want to be that coach. I want my players to come back and visit me when I'm 60-something years old. Like, that's just awesome. But they meant that much to me. It's such a it's a beautiful space to be in to to know where you stand. Even your coach is going to push you and hold you accountable. Sometimes get upset, but just to know, like to know that they got your back and they believe in you, um, it's just a great feeling. When you reflect on your whole career as an athlete and as a coach, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself? That I just don't quit. <laughs> <laughs> There is no quit in me and there is no fear. I don't I don't I don't have a fear that I can't get something done or can't achieve something. Now, 
how do you teach that when I say teach fear? Because I'm sure that, you know, throughout your, your coaching career, you've dealt with some athletes that have been fearful and have had to deal with, you know, anxiety and, and stress and all that stuff. How do you coach an athlete to not to be more fearless? I think it's not about necessarily being more fearless. It's about accepting that it's okay to make a mistake. Yeah. Like, that's what it's about. Like, like I said, I said, I missed a shot. So what? You get mad, next play. You know, it's a learning, you know, and when you, when you teach athletes that, you know, your whole career, however long it's going to be, is really about you being a positive, lifelong learner. Like every day is a lesson for you to get better. Every day. It's, it's like a, a game that you really get to play and you get better at every day and getting them to understand that, that like, one bad day doesn't make you a bad player. One bad moment doesn't make you a bad person. It's just an opportunity for you to learn and grow. And once you embrace that, like a part of being great in life is actually making mistakes because in those mistakes, it allows you to take risk because you take more risk when you're not afraid to make mistakes because you know, they're going to come. Yep. So it's getting them in that mindset it, it, it some of them get it early some of them get it late like oh I, it's just you know it's not and, and it's not about you know being careless about a turnover or anything it's about when that mistake happens it's about how you're going to react to it and how are you going to take constructive criticism how are you going to learn from someone just saying hey you can do this better are you, are you going to embrace that or you're going to have a closed mind? So that's, that's really the key in, in not having fear. It's getting over the fact that, you know, no one's perfect. You know, I always tell our players, I said, look, we're all beautifully imperfect. Literally <laughs> everyone. Yep. So once you embrace that, I'm like, I mess up all the time. You know, I said, I'll be drawing a play for you guys or communicating a play and I mess up. And what do I say? My bad. Oops. It happens. <laughs> right. It's a lot of it's a lot of stuff going on in life in our head. Like, you know, so don't don't start your journey or, or start your day in practice, you know, thinking you have to be this perfect player, like because it's not. You know, some of the greatest greatest moments in sports literally happen from an accident, you know, it, it, because sport is so instinctive. It's 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 joy, it's fun, it's it's this life, it's this excitement. But if you don't play with that, then it it is fear does set in. Doubt, you become unconfident, and you close your ability to grow. Your imagination stops because you're worried about, oops, how am I going to look? Am I going to make a mistake? When it you know the true freedom is embracing your mistakes and learning from them. Yeah. It's, it's true. I, a hundred percent, you're preaching the gospel right there because it, it is having a relationship with failure. That's, I call it success management. If, if you want to be successful, you have to have a relationship with, with failure. And you there's do. so, there's so many different like ways to look at it, but you know, there's, you know, fail fast to move on or fail up. I love failing up because when you think about failure and losing the, the energetic pull is downward. Like when you fail, and then when you succeed or win, it's like it's it's a high. You go upwards or in front of you. So if if you want to go 
If, if you do know that success is above you or in front of you, but you have to fail to get there, then let's, let's have a different relationship with failure and let's fail up. And, and just like you said, so what next play? Like if you want to have next play speed, and especially in basketball, and you want to stay focused in the game where there's going to be a ton of errors, you're going to miss a shot, you're going to miss an assignment, it's going to happen. You got to be okay with so what next play. Because if you can get in that, that mindset, then you're gonna be you're gonna stay focused through a game that switches from offense to defense to offense to defense. You know, so I, I love what you're saying, 100. percent Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, in closing, this is awesome. I I can talk to you for hours, um, and I, and I love your energy and your passion for coaching. Uh, but how can Thank my you. how can my listeners follow you on social media and connect with you? They can connect with me at Coach at Nisha Curry on Instagram. And on Twitter, they can connect to me with at Ednisha Curry. So on Instagram, it's Coach at Nisha Curry. On Twitter, it's at Ednisha Curry. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, this was, this was a treat, and I, re- I really, really uh, appreciate and, and honored for you to be on my show and just sharing your energy and your, your journey. Um, I, I wish you all the success and I hope that you and your team have an incredible year and, um, and thank you again for being on my show. Thank you. Have a great day.